What do you imagine when you think about university? Maybe it's sleepless nights in the library or the journey to your dream job. Maybe it was, or will be, your first time out of home or something you thought you'd never do. No matter your experience or expectations, there is one thing we all share. I'm Lizzie Jack, and this is We Are UOW, a podcast by the University of Wollongong, where we explore the lifelong connections made on the UOW campus, from friends to mentors to marriages. Episode 9, Lizzie and Jennifer. My name is Jennifer Macy. I am a PhD student in the School of Geography. My name's Lizzie and I graduated from the University of Wollongong with a Bachelor of Journalism in 2018 and I now work at the University of Wollongong as a content producer. Now, this episode is a little different. Instead of talking to people that I don't know and hearing about the amazing experiences they had at the University of Wollongong, Today, I get to reminisce on my own time at UOW. I'm talking with my good friend, Jennifer, who I met in my final year at university. Originally from Queensland's Sunshine Coast, Jennifer is an experienced and decorated journalist and podcast producer. She's worked on national and international radio programs, reported on UN climate summits and interviewed Australians of the year, but... Maybe one of her most daunting gigs was standing in front of a lecture hall full of university students. I've been making radio for a long time and had started making podcasts and loved podcasts. And I think it was the first year that I was teaching podcasting and I was filling in for the usual podcasting lecturer, Siobhan McHugh, and I was really nervous. On the other side of the classroom was me. I was a journalism student and I was nervous because despite being at uni for three years, I didn't seem to know anyone in this class. I had been drawn to the campus for its natural environment and its proximity to the beach and to my hometown on the south coast. I was well and truly used to uni life, but Jennifer was coming into a brand new environment to teach, something she'd never done before. What do you remember about your, that your first class teaching? Because I remember it quite clearly from a student perspective. But yeah, what tell was me. The, back then, podcasting was a very new subject. So there was only maybe 20 people and we were in a lecture theatre, a small lecture theatre, and you came like bouncing in with the energy of, a, I want it not, not a play school host, but like... <laughs> You came fully bouncing in, in your typical Jennifer way, like, I'm coming, I'm here, sorry. <laughs> We'd like, And, you know, you were carrying a thousand things and you were sort of just running into the room. I was really nervous first time lecturing. And so, like the classic nerd that you are, I overstudied. You know, I overprepared for these lectures and so I rewrote the entire like course outline and and added all these new listenings. We were all sat in like a big U shape and you went around and asked us all what's our favourite 
podcast to listen to. And I was like, oh my God, I literally don't listen to any. I just was like, oh, I like radio. I like sound stuff. I like like audio subjects I've done. And then everyone was talking about Serial and S-Town and it's like, I don't know what anyone's talking about. No idea. And I literally said the Hack podcast. <laughs> and I would have said, that's a radio show. Yeah. It's not a podcast. Yeah. How did you feel after that first lecture? Because we went from that lecture hall straight into a tutorial with the same group of people, which is a bit more intimate. I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing or if I was teaching the right thing or getting through. And here, and I had said that one of the things that people, you know, that we were going to do in class is to pitch stories. So people would have to, you know, come and talk to me as if I were an editor. We were going to pretend that I was I was an actual editor and that you come and pitch your story ideas. And so on the first lecture, the first tutorial, one of the students stopped me to pitch her story idea after class and come and talk about it. And I was so excited because it just felt so collaborative and it was you Lizzie it was me (laughs) first class you came and oh it was such a gift if it wasn't obvious that I had never heard a podcast before it soon became that way I pitched the idea to Jen of interviewing musicians unpacking a particular song with each individual stem of music layering into a story like, yeah, that's song exploder that already exists. And I was like, oh, probably should go do some research then, hey. And I deflated your little bubble. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good because every time someone comes and pitches a story idea, I do. I have like this massive back catalogue of podcasts that already exists or stories. That, and I'm like, yes, go and listen to this. And this can be your reference. And you can, you know, use it in your, when you're referencing your, in your reflection and when you hand your assignment in. It's great. So yeah, now I'm teaching podcasting. The former lecturer and creator of this this subject, Siobhan McHugh, has retired. And so now I've just fallen into that role. And so I'm teaching it. And it is really exciting because podcasting is such an evolving medium and such a new medium. I mean, it's it's really, really old in that radio has been around forever. So mechanics of it and the storytelling part of it are pretty much the same. But, you know, as a medium, it's only been around really, like it boomed in 2014. That's not very long. And so it's always changing and that makes it really exciting to teach, you know, because you can, like I remember at the start of the coronavirus, Norman Swan put out his podcast, Coronacast, and like honestly, like I think it was the very last lecture that I gave in person and after that we were in remote learning and I said, you know, have you heard there's a new podcast called Coronacast and now they're up to, you know, their 400th episode or something. But, you know, you can be that up to date and, you know, nimble and so that's really exciting to teach. How did you go from being a radio journalist and you've had an illustrious career in that sense? When did you make that transition? So I think I made that transition around the 2014 mark when podcasting just started to boom. And I think I I had left the ABC and I was sort of looking around to see what I wanted to do and I was thinking about freelancing and 
I didn't know if I'd go into print or stay in radio and the only way to stay in radio would be to make podcasts. And so it sort of was this, you know, happy accident in a way that I got to stay in this craft that I love because I love audio. Yeah, and so it just, I think it was just a bit of a timing thing, you know, it was fortunate. I mean, I know everybody says that, but also part of me just didn't want to let go. I didn't want to stop making radio and podcasting was a way so that I didn't have to stop making radio and talking to people. (laughs) Yeah, and that transition makes a lot of sense. And it's funny because all I ever wanted to do was be on radio. Then I met you. I only had you for one semester at the very end of my degree But what's interesting is that you kind of helped redirect my whole idea of a career path after uni and what I thought I wanted to do. So I remember finishing up the subject with you and then I had one more semester to go. You said, oh, anyone who wants to keep in contact with me, this is my email address. So I sent this big, long email to you. I was like, thank you so much. You are one of the best lecturers I've ever had. And this is, we only knew each other in a very like student teacher capacity. I was like, you know you've really inspired me. I want to pursue podcasting. Can I get your phone number or something so we can stay in touch? Is all on email. And then you just replied with your phone number <laughs> and like phone number. Thanks, Jen. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh, Devastated. I thought we were like Crashed. really tight. <laughs> to finish my degree, I needed an internship. And luckily for me, Jennifer needed an editing assistant to help balance her regular freelance work with her new teaching position. Over 13 weeks, I worked with Jen out of a co-working space which housed all sorts of creatives, from painters to potters to podcasters. After that internship, I was hired as a freelancer where we worked mostly from her kitchen table. We worked really hard together on how to make a whistleblower. That's what I was going to say. We would looking at a whistleblower who had been working for the Murray-Darling Basin Authority and who is now working at the Australia Institute where I make a weekly podcast called Follow the Money. Yeah, and we were just sort of looking or going, having a bit of a deep dive into how, you know, this mild-mannered bureaucrat becomes a whistleblower. And it was so fascinating because, you know, these people put everything on the line and they can face jail terms, they can face bankruptcy, they can face, you know, also career death. You know, it's really hard to get a job in your profession and usually they're at the top of their profession. They know the ins and outs of everything and that's, you know, how they end up blowing the whistle. Crazy. Like it, Crazy I felt like I was living my true crime fantasy, not that it was, yeah. I mean, it was... Well, it was investigative. Investigative. And we got to just do a three-part deep dive into that and you helped me with that because it was so huge. It was massive. It. We interviewed so many people and, yeah, I really needed your help with that just to be able to see through the weeds and work out how to structure it and how to pull it all together and, yeah, it was... That was a lot of work. This was really like, okay, this, we've got to tell a story. We've got to tell it in three episodes. We've got 20 or 30 different interviews that we had to cut down and construct somehow. Like it's really like putting all different puzzle pieces together, you know, to tell one of these stories. It's like those crafted documentary-style podcasts are 
really labour intensive. And it was it, it was so great for me to be able to work with somebody else who just gets it and, like, you've got a really incisive editing brain, I think, you know. You just, it's a bit like, nah, you know, practical. It's like, we don't need this, we don't need this. Because I felt like I was caught in the weeds all the time and you were my, like, just sort of, search beacon like out of there you know you were you were really able to hone in on what was important and what wasn't and and what flowed and what worked and and you're also really great at saying well I don't really know what that means and so you know that's always really helpful because then if you don't know what it means then the listeners aren't going to know and so that's really important to have and yeah you're just like I can't swear but no No BS? No BS. (laughs) No BS. That's what I was going to say. It's funny that Jennifer describes me this way as a search beacon, but also no BS, because that's probably exactly how I'd describe her. She's always very to the point, but also a great person to bounce ideas off of because you know she'll give you completely honest feedback. In 2019, I'd been working with Jennifer for about a year. That year, she took me to the Audiocraft Podcast Festival, a networking event with workshops, seminars, and huge names in the audio industry. I met people like Ian Chillag, the host and creator of one of my favorite podcasts, Everything is Alive, and I got to see the Pitch Perfect competition, which sees budding podcasters give a three-minute pitch of their idea in front of a live audience and a panel of experts. She told me I should enter the following year, and I believed her. My idea was selected as a 2020 finalist, and I got to pitch my story virtually to Spotify, Australia, New Zealand, and India. It was very full circle as I was pitching in front of an international audience from where I'd first started two years ago at Jennifer's kitchen table. Jen and I were sort of trendsetters working from home before the COVID pandemic struck. Then that kitchen table was where she was teaching her lessons. So now you've been teaching at university four years. Yeah. So how, what's changed from that first lecture? (laughs) Well, there's this amazing new building that we're, (laughs) that's purposely built for uh, the communications, journalism. There's an amazing radio you know, studio, there are these beautiful little sound booths. The lecture room is just stunning. And yet we've had, you know, to teach remotely because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so a lot has changed. But again, because it's podcasting and because I have been making podcasts remotely, I felt really confident going into remote learning and I said to the students, don't worry about it because I make podcasts remotely all the time. We've got this, you know, this will be fine. You can do this. I'll teach you how to do it. And again, it's that being able to be nimble, right? And I think that's just a basic skill of journalism really. So, you know, but I think it's, it's it has been a little bit hard 
for the students. It's exhausting for the lecturer. Like I feel like, you know, when you're in a lecture theatre, you bounce off the energy. But when you're talking to a screen full of little faces, you sort of put on 150% energy to try and, you know, keep them motivated because it's really hard for the students, I reckon. So how did you adapt to teaching in that environment because you know I when I had you as a teacher it was I was very lucky that my last year of uni was before the whole COVID thing so how do you bring that energy into a virtual space? I think you know like you feel a bit more performative like it's it's a lot more energy that you need to because I also felt like we had an extra responsibility to the students because it was so much harder for them. So I really tried to make the lessons more engaging. And I was teaching first year students and it's also like a radio class. They have a small radio element and they have to show their work. So it's like a little listening party. And in previous years, I've brought lollies into class and played music and, you know, okay, this is, we are going to have this as a listening party and this is all going to be really awkward and embarrassing for you guys to play your pieces in front of the entire class. So, you know, we'll turn it into a little party. And so I had lollies on the table and, and so how was I going to do that? So I played a piece of music and then I, I wound my standing desk up. So I was standing and then I danced in my home office and just had like a little disco boogie by myself before the class. And, and, and you know, some of the students joined in and like a couple were doing the class together and then they turned around and they were, you know, wiggling and jiggling and... Yeah, it was pretty funny. And I'm sure that half of them thought, what the hell is she doing? But again, it was that trying to just disarm them, right? Yeah. Because they feel, they're going to feel really nervous about playing their work in front of everybody. So it's like, okay, I'm going to make a fool out of myself yeah. first. And then you guys, you know, yeah. realise that if this middle-aged woman can... And I picked a good song too. What song was it? Sylvan Esso, Slave to the Radio. Oh, so yeah. good. Very good. Yeah, Radiohead might have been a bit sombre for the occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Taking COVID out of the picture, how how has teaching changed you as a person? Do you think it's made you a better podcaster or a better journalist? I think it helps. It helps you examine your craft and really analyse it and and critique it and look at it yeah and also just those daily reminders of what you need to do right because if you're teaching it then you also need to practice it put it into practice so that's helpful just on a really practical level but I think the being able to examine your craft and analyze your craft and really it makes you a better listener because you're listening for things that are good and you really quickly pick up on things that aren't working in podcasting or radio. So, yeah, I think it just, it makes you a better listener. One of the great things about university and the University of Wollongong is that your teachers are industry professionals. While Jennifer was teaching students over Zoom and having solo dance parties, she was still working on her own personal projects. I made a documentary for ABC Radio National about the experience of having a premature baby and I, being a journalist, sort of deflected and didn't want to just 
tell my own story. I asked some of the women that I'd met in the neonatal intensive care unit if I could interview them. And we'd sort of stayed in touch and become friends. And they said yes. And so I interviewed these mums. These are the mums who had had, also had preterm babies at the same time. And I turned it into a radio documentary and it was only 24 minutes, and which is so little time to tell these really big stories. You know, we were in the NICU for three months. That's just me and I wasn't even one of the long ones. And, you know, it was, I worked with one of the top sound engineers at the ABC, Russell Stapleton, and I had an amazing supervising producer, Claudia Taranto. And, yeah, and it just, you know... I. I mean, I I sort of say, like, these stories are really easy to tell well because they're such good stories and you sort of have to just get out of the way of the story, really. You know, one, one, you know, a former colleague at the ABC had said that once. With these sort of stories, you just get out of the way and just let the story tell itself. And it was a very powerful story. And so I think that's part of it. But what we tried to do was recreate some of the sounds of the NICU because it's so noisy. You you wouldn't expect that, you know, a ward of premature babies that don't cry actually um, would be so noisy. But there were so many, so many sounds that go on. So it was just really sound rich piece. Anyway, I made it and I entered it into the New York Radio Festivals in the health division. And I thought, ah, oh, not a chance in a year of a global pandemic. <laughs> not a chance. And yeah, it won gold in the health category and it won bronze in the social issues category. So I won two awards for kangaroo cuddles. Yeah, which is pretty exciting. On top of all of that, the teacher has now become the student. Jennifer is now a PhD candidate in the School of Geography at the University of Wollongong. So my PhD is a creative work PhD, which is so exciting because I get to make a podcast and I have just been enveloped into this Australian Research Council Discovery Grant with the Geography Department and and the human geographers. And I've just recently discovered this department because I also make a podcast for them here at UOW. And it's, yeah, it's really, they're an amazing group of people. And so basically what we're going to be looking at is the site of Port Kembla and the changes that are happening and have happened since the 1980s. And so the podcast idea is to look at like a different resource. So because Port Kembla isn't just the steelmaking site, it's also a coal port, it's a grain port. All the cars in New South Wales are now imported through via Port Kembla, not in Sydney anymore after they shut down White Bay. So that's really interesting that we're actually exporting the material of steel, but we're importing it in a, you know, finished product as in a car. And then, of course, with the potential of green hydrogen at the site as well, it's a really interesting space to look at. And Port Kembla as a site hasn't been studied you know, as a place for a really, really long time. So it's so exciting because I'm working with oral historians, historians, geographers, human geographers, you know, spatial geographers, doing all the mapping and stuff, but also just talking to people on the streets in Port Kembla and collecting these stories about the site, which is so exciting. So I get to make a podcast 
about a really interesting local place with another department here at the university that is doing some really interesting work. You've gone from a creator, a, a journalist, a creator, an industry professional into a teaching role and now you're a student in the School of Geography. I've been asking everyone how or what, how different their life would be had they not sort of stepped foot on a UAW campus and the relationships that they built. And I know, I said before, you kind of reshaped my idea of what I wanted to do with with my career after uni And even outside of, I suppose, our little bubble, the people I met in my first week at at university in my first classes or in my first share house, they're still my best friends now, six years later. So that's, I guess, from a student perspective, but you've gone from a, from a teacher now to a student. What's that, what's that journey been like for you? Gosh, my life is so much richer now. I love teaching. I absolutely love it. And and it's been so exciting meeting you. Oh, you're gonna make me cry, don't you? I've nearly cried before. Like just thinking about how amazing you are, you know, like describing your students as mature is a bit cliche and boring. But one of the signs of maturity for me was I just expected you to do overtime in your internship and you're like, no, I've got to go because I've got to get to my netball match because you were umpiring or playing netball and you you were just really clear about your commitments to other people and you know at the start I was like a little bit annoyed about that I was why you know this is a job you know why is she like so focused on and I was a bit annoyed about it but actually what it is is a it's really it's like standing up to a boss a and b it just shows commitment and consistency and and that and they're really great traits and and I think you know you're just this quiet achiever in terms of how much you do you know into and all the creative aspects of your life the sport and the band and you know the little creative radio pieces and yeah it's been and you know it's so exciting to actually I th- I feel like journalism is very competitive Often the field can be quite competitive and to actually be able to work with someone collaboratively, which I've been able to do with you, is amazing. Yeah, definitely likewise. And when I try and sort of just if I'm hanging out with you and I'm saying to someone, oh, I'm catching up with Jen and I explain who you are, it's funny because I'd say, oh, you know, she was my lecturer, then she was my boss for a bit, but now she's just my actual friend. And I don't know when it was that we became friends and when that, because I think at uni as well, like it's so different from high school, you can be friends with your teachers who then become your boss, you know, and it's been, it's been awesome. But also my life would be very different because I don't know if I would have liked it as much had I not had you as a teacher and had you not fostered that interest. Finding internships is also really hard when you're in, you know, third year uni and you are juggling everything else. And so you are very accommodating to let me do my internship with you. And you help me in a lot of life stuff as well in like, you know, you helped me get my first radio job at ABC. You just said, just 
send an email and be like, hey, I don't know if you're hiring, but I'm happy to do some casual work. And I wouldn't have done that if you didn't say, just send an email. Like the worst they're going to say is no. And taking me to AudioCraft and helping me pitch to Spotify was really cool and helping me work on this major podcast that I hope one day sees the light of day. It will. Yeah. So it's it's very cool. And I feel very lucky to have met someone that can be that impactful. You hate the word impact. Big butt. And impactful. And impactful (laughs) because you think it sounds like a car hitting a wall. (laughs) Effective isn't the right word, but uh, inspirational. Impactful. That's it. That's the word. Thanks, Lenny. You're welcome. We Are UOW is brought to you by the University of Wollongong. This episode was produced by myself, Lizzie Jack. Thank you so much to my friend Jennifer for catching up with me and reminiscing on our time together at UOW. If you want to learn more about Jennifer's creative PhD or listen to any of the amazing work she's done, you can check out her website, jennifermacy.com. That's M-A-C-E-Y. If you liked this episode, there is plenty more amazing stories of UOW connections, so make sure you follow and subscribe to We Are UOW wherever you get your podcasts. We also love to hear about the connections made or fostered at the University of Wollongong. If you have a story worth sharing, email us at weareuow at uaw.edu.au or share your stories online with the hashtag weareuow. Next time on We Are UOW, an ANU dropout goes for a sea change to Wollongong and ends up leading the charge for nursing in universities. I think we both have created through our work with our colleagues a vision for a better world that is you know driven by nursing that's next time thanks for listening Mm